0: Welcome to Kletzheads, the podcast about bilingual children. My name is Sharon Onsworth, linguist at Radboud University in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, a mother of two bilingual children. In this episode of Kletzheads, we talk to 12-year-old Sarah from Ireland about learning to read in Arabic and using her Italian as a language to share secrets. And in Hot Off The Press, we talk about language mixing. We know that most, if not all, children do it. But what makes some children mix more than others? I tell you about some recent research that explores the answer to that question. Keep listening to find out more. Hot Off The Press. In Hot Off The Press, I tell you about a new piece of research on bilingual children. I summarise the most important findings and try to translate them into practice. This time we're talking about a topic that's about as bilingual as you can get. Language mixing. When you know two or more languages, you can in principle at least always choose which language you use to express yourself. The choice you make may depend on who you're talking to. So whether they're bilingual or monolingual, whether you normally mix with them or not. And the context. So to what extent does the context allow the use of multiple languages? Some contexts are more monolingual than others. So very often more formal contexts like school or work tend to be more monolingual. Now, bilingual children have to learn how to do this, so how to control their two languages so that they mix in situations where it's okay and don't when it's not. Some children are better at this than others. And the research that I'm going to tell you about today asks why. There are two possible explanations. The first is the children's language proficiency. So basically, if children don't know certain words in one of the languages, they'll use the word from the other one. My favourite example, which I'm sure I've mentioned before on the podcast, is one that my daughter used when she had just started school. And she was annoyed at me for something and said, stop, mummy, or I'll put you in the gefangenis. Gefangenis is the Dutch word for prison. I know that she didn't know the English word prison, and so she used the word that uh, she'd learned at school. Language proficiency can also affect whether children mix or not in their two languages in a more general sense. So if your two languages are not that well developed, it can be difficult to control which language you use. The second possible explanation for why children mix has to do with their general cognitive skills. So skills that we use every day to learn and to get things done. These include skills which help us to set goals, to ignore unnecessary information or distractions, to plan what's needed to reach our goal. They're often called executive functions. And these are skills that are needed in all aspects of daily life, independent of language. So imagine that you pick up your phone to call somebody, then you see a message flash up from somebody else. You need cognitive control to ignore that message and reach your goal of phoning the person you originally set out to call. Now, the idea is that the cognitive control that you use there is the same that you need as a bilingual. When you decide to use one language, you need to ignore the other. There's lots of research on this with adults and it's quite a controversial topic. According to some researchers, if you're better at certain aspects of cognitive control, then you're less likely to accidentally use the wrong language. And certain contexts are particularly challenging and you need more cognitive control in those contexts. So if, for example, you're in a conversation with two different people and they both use a different language then this is more challenging and requires more cognitive control than if you're in a conversation with one person using one language. So if you're a child growing up with an Italian-speaking parent and a German-speaking parent, then you'll need more cognitive control if you're in a conversation with both your parents than if you're in a conversation with just one of them by themselves. The study we're talking about today looks at the extent to which those two factors... Language proficiency and cognitive control predict whether or not children use the right language with the right person. It's research carried out in the US by Megan Gross and Margarita Kaushanskaya at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst and the University of Wisconsin Madison. What the researchers did was to collect data from Spanish English bilingual children between the ages of four and six and they all differed in how good they were at the two languages. The children had to do three types of tasks. The first was a language test, combining both languages to give us an idea of their language proficiency. The second was a test of cognitive control, This is a task where children have to sort cards so they see cards with different shapes on them, for example, triangles and circles, and these shapes have different colours, for example, red and blue. And first of all, they have to sort the cards into two piles based on colour. So the red go in the red pile and the blue go in the blue pile. And then after a while, the game changes and they have to sort the cards based on shape. So instead of focusing on colour, they have to focus on shape and put the triangles in the triangle pile and the circles in the circle pile. And how well they're able to make that switch from sorting by colour to sorting by shape, that gives you some indication of the cognitive control skills. Finally, the third task was the one that we're really interested in here. That's the language control task. It involved children describing pictures to somebody and that somebody else spoke only English or Spanish. And children did this in three different versions. So once they did the task where they spoke only with a Spanish speaking person. In the second version, they did the task where they spoke only with the English speaking person. And in the final version, both the Spanish and the English speaking person alternated. And this happened randomly. So they didn't know whether they were going to be speaking to a Spanish speaking person or an English speaking person. And what the researchers did was measure whether they used the correct language or whether they mixed. So in conversation with a Spanish speaking person, did they use Spanish as they were supposed to or did they mix and use English? So what did they find? I'm going to tell you about three main findings. The first was that how dominant children were in one of the two languages had an effect on how much they mixed. So some children were better at English than Spanish. So they were dominant in English. But with others, it was the other way round. They were better in Spanish than English. And this had an effect on how much children mixed. So if they were better in Spanish then when they had to describe a picture to the Spanish speaking person, they almost always did so in Spanish. But when they had to describe a picture to the English-speaking person, they were more likely to mix in some Spanish words. The reverse was also true. If they were better in English, they hardly ever used Spanish when talking to the English-speaking person. But when they were talking to the Spanish-speaking person, they were more likely to mix in some English words. So that's the first finding. The second finding was that how much children mixed had to do with how proficient they were in their two languages. Children with better overall language proficiency were less likely to use the wrong language. So the language that wasn't the same as the person that we're speaking to. So that's the second finding. Then the better the language proficiency, the less they mixed. The final finding has to do with cognitive control. Remember, that was the second possible explanation for why children mix. And what they found was that cognitive control also played a role in whether or not children mixed, but only in the context where children didn't know whether they were gonna be speaking to a Spanish speaker or an English speaker, so the bilingual context. So if children had to alternate between the English and the Spanish speaking person, there was more mixing by children with less developed cognitive control. Or rather the other way around, If children had better cognitive control, they were better able to use the right language with the right person. It's important to say here that the finding is about there being a relationship between mixing and cognitive control. On the basis of this research, you can't say whether one causes the other. What can you learn from this study as a parent? Well, I think the findings from this study should be reassuring because they show us that it's certainly normal that children mix from the dominant language. So the one that they're better in, the one that they tend to use the most to the non-dominant language. It's also good to know that it's not only about language proficiency, but also about general cognitive skills. And these skills develop as children get older. At the same time, it's important not to draw the conclusion. Oh, my child mixes a lot. So their cognitive control, their cognitive skills must be worse. Finally, it's important to emphasise that language mixing really is part and parcel of being bilingual. It's normal and there's no cause for concern when your child mixes. There are all kinds of factors that can play a role in mixing, including the two that were mentioned here. If you want to know more about language mixing, listen to the very first episode of Klet's Heads, which is all about this topic. What can you learn from this study as a teacher or speech language therapist? Well, one thing I think you can take away from this study is that if children are dominant in their home or heritage language, if they're much more proficient in that language than the school language, they may be more inclined to mix from the heritage language into the school language. And they may do this even if you as a teacher or speech language therapist only speak the school language with them. Whether they actually do do this at school remains to be seen, though, I think, because children often learn very quickly that it's not the idea that they use their home or heritage language at school, at least in most schools and in many countries around the world. Also, whilst it's not a direct conclusion from this study, I think it's Helpful to point out that we know from other research that allowing heritage languages at school can help the children who are less proficient in their school language, not only to learn the school language, but also to understand the subject matter better. And it can also increase their self-confidence. If you want to know more about that particular topic, listen to episode nine from the first season of Klet's Heads. Hot off the press. If you want to know more about the research I just told you about or even read the paper yourself, you'll find the link in the show notes. Time now to hear from this episode's guest. Let's
1: head off the week. Hi. My name is Sarah. I am 12 years old. I live in Dublin, Ireland, and I speak English, Arabic, and Italian.
0: So, who do you speak English with?
1: Mostly my brothers. They're not the best at the other languages, and my friends, and at school, and sometimes with my parents most of the time. Uh-huh. And what about Arabic? My dad, and, like, my grandparents in Morocco,
0: uh-huh. and my
1: cousins and- I speak Italian with my mum and my auntie and uncle and my cousins. Uh-huh. And do you like being bilingual? Yeah, it's cool. Why is it cool? Well, like, it's kind of nice not always having everyone know exactly what you're saying and kind of, like, if you were to say, let's say, something that you don't want anyone else to say, you can just say it in that language and it's kind of cool to have own like private
0: chat. Uh-huh. Do you know that's one of the most popular answers to that question? Bilingual children like having a secret language. It's cool. Yeah. And are there less fun things about it being bilingual? Not really. Mm-hmm. That's fine too, right? Yeah, I mean sometimes I
1: like, guess kids will be like trying to ask you everything and expect you to know everything about the language. Like let's say I can speak Italian, but I'm not like fluent. So some kids in my class come up to me like, Oh, you're Italian, you know what this is and what this is, and what this is. I'm like, I'm Italian and I can speak it, but I'm not completely fluent, so Uh Like when you're Italian, you should know.
0: Yeah. You mean like certain words or something? Yeah. 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 Well, that's quite normal, I think, for being bilingual, right? Which language do you prefer to speak? English. English. Why? Um, Well, I'm more fluent in it and
1: basically everyone can understand. So it's not that like only some people can understand me, but like all my friends and family. So I can speak to everybody more easily in English.
0: Yeah. Okay. Were you born in Ireland? Yes. So you've lived there all your life? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is it important to you to speak English and Arabic and Italian?
1: Yes, because if I didn't, then I wouldn't really be able to communicate with the rest of my family. I'd have to always go, let's say, to my dad in Morocco, like, oh, can you tell them this or tell them that, but this way, if I actually know the language, I can speak to them, because I feel like it'd be kind of awkward if I didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose it makes it easier to have a better relationship with them, right?
1: Yeah, and a connection, like so you can actually understand each other.
0: Yeah, and uh, do you go very often to Morocco or Italy?
1: We we didn't go to Italy this year, but we might be going later, and we're going to Morocco in July.
0: Mm -hmm. What's the best thing about going to Morocco?
1: The beach, and obviously seeing the family and the food.
0: Aha, I don't really know Moroccan food. So tell me something that's kind of typical. Tajin, couscous, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Mostly a
1: lot of stuff with like Uh-huh.
0: Yep. And when you're older, what languages do you think you're going to speak?
1: Definitely English. I might still speak Italian and Arabic, but mostly 100% English.
0: hmm What will we'll make sure that you still speak Italian and Arabic? probably my parents (laughs) what do they do they tell you not to speak English or how does that work in your house
1: sometimes they'll be like oh um they like I'm not gonna respond to you unless you say it in this or like come on you know how to say it so they kind of encourage me to say it in it but if I don't know that they let me off but I feel like I also do want to still keep like being able to speak those languages because it is a cool and handy
0: thing yeah no So, do you mind if they say "come on"? You know how to say it in Arabic or Italian?
1: No, I don't really mind. I think it's kind of like a fun challenge.
0: Okay, good. That's nice. Imagine if you're when you're older, quite a lot older, I imagine, and you have kids yourself. What language are you going to speak to your kids?
1: Well, it kind of depends where I live. I mean, if I live in Ireland, or let's say if I moved to Italy, then I'd probably speak Italian to them because. Like this, they'd be able to, like, you know, learn it. And they'd be living there, so they should know it. But if I still live in Ireland, then I probably would still speak English, but just a tiny bit of, like, Italian or Arabic.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, Have you got friends who are bilingual as well?
1: My friend Penelope, she's also Italian, um, and she's in my class. And then there's a few classmates in my class that are from different countries, and they can speak the language. Like, there's a kid that is my, in my class that's from Malta and Russia. Mm-hmm. And there's another kid who's also Croatian, and then there's another who's British. Well, that's not really a different language. but.
0: And do you talk about being bilingual, or is that not something you really talk about?
1: I sort of talk about it. Like, if they'll ask me if I know something, or they're like, oh, is anyone here bilingual, or they want to know about something, then I'll tell them. But otherwise, I don't really talk about me like being like, oh, I'm bilingual, and I talk these
0: languages. Mm-hmm. And you said you had a friend was it Penelope who's also Italian speaking? Yeah. Do you ever speak Italian with each other or do you just stick to English? We mostly stick to English but sometimes if there's like a secret we don't want the rest of the class to know we'll speak (laughs) Italian.
1: Uh
0: Aha so maybe what's your favourite word in Italian? Farfalla. Farfalle. Is that is
1: that a kind of pasta or is it? Yeah it's like it's actually butterfly, but the kind of pasta is shaped in a butterfly.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. So, fafale. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what about in Arabic? Have you got a favourite word in Arabic?
1: I like the word salam, but otherwise I don't really have a favourite word. And what was that word? Salam? Salam. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, it's kind of from the full sentence, like the greeting, like salam alaykum, which is like a greeting. Like, if you were to translate in English, though, it'd be like, peace be upon you. But in Arabic, it'd be like a way of saying hello.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Have you got a pet? I do. I have fish.
0: Do you talk to the fish?
1: Yes, I actually do. It's kind of weird.
0: In what language, though?
1: English. I feel like they are... I mean, they've been in an aquarium where there's a lot of, like, English-speaking people. So I'm guessing they know English more than Italian or Arabic.
0: <laughs> I, I think so don't you yeah. think yeah yeah probably do you dream at night yeah i do Mhm. do you know what language you dream in? i usually dream in english because if
1: i'll ever dream of let's say people talking they'll usually be speaking english because most of the time let's say people i know are in my dreams and my friends so they'll be speaking english i don't i've never really had a dream in a different language how do you know i don't
0: <laughs> you're just guessing yeah yeah Right, so you know what like animals in make different sounds in different languages. Did you know that? So if you like say in Dutch, for example, so I live in the Netherlands, and in Dutch a cow doesn't say moo, but a cow says boo. What? That doesn't make <laughs> sense. Doesn't make sense. So what does it what sound does a cow make in Arabic? Do you know? No idea. No idea. In Italian? Moo. Yeah? Same. Yep. And what about, because often a frog is also.
1: Ribbit, ribbit.
0: Also in Italian?
1: In Italian it's ca-ca. It's really weird. Ca-ca? Ca-ca. Ca-ca.
0: C or A, C or A. Ah. ca-ca. Okay. doesn't like a frog at all. No. I thought you were saying "kaka," which in Italian is "poop." Yeah, well, you can use that in Dutch as well to make to say "poop" as well. Can you teach me something in Arabic because I don't really know? I know "shukran." That I means thank you, right? Yeah, yeah. What's well, a really like hard word to say? Masalema. Say it again. Masalema. Masalema. Yeah. Yeah. Take. Like, bye bye. Bye bye. Did I say it okay? Messalema. So, yeah. Messalema. Okay. Really okay. Messalema. Okay, good. And have you got a nice yep. Italian word for me? So, I know a little uh, bit of Italian, but not really very much. Biglietto. Biglietto. Si. Yep. What does that mean? Ticket. Ticket. Biglietto. Biglietto pietto Yeah. now i'm curious to know whether you read do you read a lot i love reading you love reading mm. i'm curious to know can you read in italian i can read in italian a bit like
1: i've read little women i've read like 20 pages of little women in italian but it was kind of hard and um, learning arabic how to read
0: it and oh, i'm doing like aha what's that like then? Because it's very different, isn't it, Arabic, from English or Italian.
1: Yeah, because you need right to left. And the letters are different. And you can also do different things to them. And sometimes they get joined, so you don't know what letter. Then they'll have things on top that will, like, change the way it sounds. So it can be kind of very confusing.
0: Mm-hmm. And how are you finding that, learning to read in Arabic?
1: Well... With the help of Duolingo, I mean, they're kind of doing it pretty easy. So, so far, I'm okay. But if you gave me something that was just in Arabic and I had no help, I would have no idea where to start.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you decide to start to learn to read in Arabic?
1: Yes. My dad always encouraged me and he was like, you should always learn it because it's good. Like I never was able to do it. But then I decided, why not just do it? So then I started
0: Yeah. And it's going well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And can you write in Arabic then? Because I imagine that's even harder, right, or not? No, I can't write. Nope. No. Do you think you might do when you're older? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you say you have brothers and sister? No, I have two brothers. Two brothers. Are they younger, older? Do they speak Arabic? They're younger, so they don't really
1: know as much as me because when I was younger my mom would mostly speak to me, but then when I started school, I learned like I learned more English at school, so then I started using English more than Italian. So then whenever my brothers came along, I'd always speak to them in English, because that was the language I knew the most. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of developed into them knowing only, let's say, a tiny bit of Italian and a tiny bit of Arabic, and mostly just talking to everybody else in English.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think your mom and dad are bothered by that or not?
1: A uh, tiny bit, I think so. I think they'd rather like have them still know lots of English, but like know just a tiny bit more Italian and Arabic, and for them to actually understand more things and to be able to talk more fluently.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you think about that?
1: I think that's fine. It would be better if they knew more, because then they'd be able to communicate easier. But for now, I think that's fine that they don't know everything.
0: Okay. And do you think that might change as they get older?
1: Yes. I feel like when they get older, we'll be able to talk more Italian and Arabic to them because they definitely won't forget English at that stage. They'll be old enough. like English is engraved into their memory. It's all like, oh, if we talk to them in Italian or Arabic, then they'll still know English.
0: Aha, so you think they know English well enough, so then you can change to using more Italian and Arabic. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I wouldn't make them speak it all the time. I would just encourage them. Like, if the neighbourhood friends, let's say, knocked her at school, they obviously wouldn't have to speak Italian or Arabic. But with us, I would, like, encourage them to speak Italian or Arabic with me and my parents.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Do you sometimes do you ever mix languages up in a sentence? Sometimes, yeah. What do you think about that? Does it bother you, or do you think, well, that's just normal, isn't it?
1: Kind of bothers me sometimes because I want to say something and I like, like, oh yeah, uh, and then I say it in Italian and they just don't understand and they're just like, what are you talking about? Then I have to restart my sentence. But it doesn't happen too often that it bothers me and I'll be like, oh, I wish it'd go away and I would, I would stop mixing up Italian and Arabic and Italian and English.
0: Mm-hmm. OK, so we normally finish by I ask somebody to tell me how you say thank you and goodbye. So maybe you can tell me how to say thank you in Italian and goodbye in Arabic. You told me before, but I've forgotten already.
1: OK, yeah, is thank you. And then masale- ma is goodbye in Arabic.
0: So grazie and ma Yes. Yeah, OK. Grazie, Sarah. And Master Lemma. Yes, that's it. That's it for this episode of Klet's Heads. We'll be back in two weeks' time with the next and final episode of the season, an episode all about words. Why do bilingual children know words in one language but not the other? Why do they find it hard to find the right words sometimes? And how are all the thousands of words that they know from their different languages organised inside their heads? Hit subscribe in your podcast app to make sure you don't miss the next episode to find out the answer. Until then. If you want to know more about Klet's Heads, go to our website at kletsheadspodcast.org. That's where you'll also find more information about this episode. If you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Klet's Heads using your favourite podcast app. If you know someone else who might enjoy the podcast, then I'd really appreciate it if you would share it with them. You can do this via the website or in your podcast app. And if you're on social media, we'd love it if you followed us. Our handle is at Klet's Heads. Thanks for listening and until the next time, or as we say in Dutch, tot de volgende keer.